Well, good evening to uh, each one of you out there. I can't believe another week has, has gone by. And uh, so time again for us to just gather uh, to consider the Word of God. And uh, again this evening, looking at a passage from Romans. And uh, just the content of this passage uh, may seem like I have a hobby horse. I hope you don't see it that way because we, we, we have just been moving consecutively by and large through this book from chapter 12. And uh, having considered last week the first 16 verses, we are going to this evening consider verse 17 to 20. So trusting we have a meaningful study tonight and uh, just welcome to each one of you. Uh, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer and uh, just acknowledging that ultimately the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And Father, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is constantly applying uh, all that has been accomplished by your Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus, in his redeeming work. Thank you that this redeeming work is not distant or separate from us, but Lord, the very uh, work of your Spirit within us, uh, thinking of that scripture that we are new creatures in Christ, thinking again of that wonderful undertaking in the book of Ezekiel, uh, replacing hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. And Lord, we pray uh, tonight that you would continue to mold us as new creatures in Christ, that you would continue to even make our hearts more tender. And Lord, leading us in the ways that are pleasing to you and praying that we would not just be those who accumulate knowledge, but Lord, that your spirit constantly be applying and writing that word on our own hearts. And so we pray for each other and uh, do commit uh, this time to you, the words of my mouth, to be acceptable in your sight. Pray for Jamie and, and Ryan as they help uh, with the electronics in the background. And, and Lord, just for each person joining in with us tonight, in Jesus' name. Amen. So follow with me. And uh, this is getting to the end now. We probably have maybe one, maybe two more studies left in Romans. But uh, Paul getting to the final verses and, and making an appeal. And, and remember that this appeal comes to the members of the church at, at Rome. He has unfolded to them uh, systematic teaching of doctrine. We've been looking at lots of application from the beginning of chapter 12. And now he gets to verse 17. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Well, I thought to introduce our topic tonight to begin to think just about our physical well-being, our bodies. And uh, I don't think there's anyone among us who would uh, not understand and not realize that the health of our bodies cannot be taken for granted. You may be well today. I may be well today. 
that tomorrow I may wake up with a sore throat, I may wake up with something wrong with me. And yes, in the same way that my physical well-being today does not guarantee readiness for a marathon next week, so also we ought to think about the church. A united, happy, healthy, functioning local church this week does not mean all will be well next month or next year or 10 years down the line. And so the parting words to the church at Rome, and, and we all know that, that when we are parting from someone, there is always an important message we want to leave with them. We want to make an impression on them. We want them to remember, this is the thing I said to you when we, when we parted from each other, and I said it because it's important. Don't forget. Well, his parting words to the church at Rome Repeating myself, after writing a comprehensive document on doctrine, we have it from chapter 1 right through to uh, chapter, the end of chapter 11 and even bits and pieces thereafter. So a comprehensive document on doctrine, also lots of explanation and application in terms of the Christian life, and, and very importantly in our passage tonight, commenting on how well the Roman believers are doing. Have a look at verse 19. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. Did you get the point? Looked at doctrine, spoken about Christian life. Uh, we spent some verses and some time last week speaking about the well-being and, and the functioning of the church at a particular point in time. He, he even says so in verse 19, you, you're doing well, you're obedient, the church is healthy. And then he follows with an immediate stern warning. Now from time to time, and I like to go annually, but every now and again I, I slip up and I end up going every second year to our GP, our general practitioner, for a check-up just to make sure everything is well. Well, at a recent checkup that I had, a uh, doctor said to me after the uh, different tests and examinations, he said, man, cholesterol levels are good. Uh, sugar levels are spot on. Uh, blood pressure is doing well. Uh, what else did he check? He said, generally speaking, you're in good shape. For now. For now. But watch your diet. Watch your exercise. And see me in a year's time. You see that, that doctor understands. You cannot take physical health for granted. In the same way we cannot take our spiritual well-being for granted. The spiritual health and well-being of a functioning church. The church in Rome is, is, is going well. And for now, get the point for now. And so the church, if we apply that in our own situation and we reflect on our context in Arcadia, we can reflect in our context up at the hill, by and large, things are going well. There are little hiccups here and there. It's the nature of, of, of a church, little niggles that do occur. But, but we're a, 
a healthy church. We're grateful to God. And, and even as we look last week at different uh, marks of, of a healthy functioning church, I could see, yes, Central Baptist Church fits well into those different identified criteria. But that could just be for the moment. We cannot ever take that for granted. And so he warns, he warns the church at Rome and, and the word of God is intended as it's been preserved to warn us as, as those who are members of the Central Baptist Church. I appeal to you brothers, brethren, brothers and sisters, to members of the church, I appeal to you. Brings me to my first point as we just unpack the appeal and I put the heading you need to be wide awake. And, and by that I mean you, plural, the local church, we together need to be wide awake. But it also applies to us as individuals. You singular, you believer, me believer. You need to be wide awake. Now I've gone through uh, the growing up stages of, of four children. Two boys and, and two girls. And at different stages, I've been, uh, like many other parents, a spectator at sporting events. And I, I've watched with great interest how children evolve in their sporting ability, especially when it comes to team sports. So I've seen in my family uh, lots of hockey. And, and so when the children were younger and they played hockey, uh, seven years and eight years and, and nine years old uh, or soccer at that particular stage the whole team gathers around the ball and and as you watch these junior soccer players or junior hockey, hockey players they, they, they move around that ball they chase that ball around like like bees around a can of coke everybody has the same position it's to chase the ball what happens is the opposition is then left unmarked and very easily because the defense is not there because there's an openness goals are easily scored later on however as the players mature as the kids get older and they begin to understand the nature of the game in terms of attack and also that of defense and strategy and 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 good team play what happens Different players fulfill the different positions and, and they are wide awake to the attacking opposition. You see, we in the church cannot have an approach to life, our everyday Christian life, or we cannot have an approach to ministry like eight or seven or nine-year-old hockey players and soccer players, assuming there's no opposition. Assuming that everybody on the field is on our side. There's a need. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling us in this passage. There is a definite need for us in the church to know, the title of this study tonight, to know that danger constantly lurks. Opposition is there. And therefore Paul's warning, we go back to verse 17, I appeal to you brothers... To watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles. Opposition is real. And they there until Jesus comes again. This is not something that only belongs in the first century or in the dark ages. 
<laughs> it's very, very real in our own present day experience. Until Jesus comes again, the church and we as individual believing members will experience constant, blatant and subtle opposition. I said at the beginning, you, you may think that this topic is a hobby horse. It's, it's not a hobby horse. It's just I find it everywhere in the Bible. And, and even in this study that we've been doing in, in Romans now, that's just the consecutive unfolding of, of the letter as it was written to the Romans. But, but, but we see it in, in many places in the Bible. Jesus warning Peter about Satan's intention to destroy him. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. There's opposition. Simon, this is not going to be just a cruise. This is not a walk in the park. Jesus repeatedly warned in the Gospels, uh, and he warned people about the destructive work of false prophets. False prophets are in abundance. They're all over the place. Matthew chapter 7 verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Can you see why we need to be uh, alert? Because superficially they look like the real thing. But in reality they are wolves. They're, they're seeking to destroy the sheep. They, they want to eat the sheep. They're like mutton. Matthew chapter 24 verse 11, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. We find similar teaching, warnings from the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth, uh, identifying the subtle, very subtle strategy of the evil one. Uh, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Could be the local pastor at Central, hope not. What about Peter? He warns the scattered church of the blatant attack. So you have the subtle attack, you, and then you have the blatant attack. Again, well-known scriptures. 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the opposition, the one that wants to get at you, the opposition, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I believe I said that recently at a church uh, service on a Sunday. You may be the someone this week. I may be the someone this week. So where does this uh, kind of teaching regarding the warnings uh, given to Christians from these different uh, quarters, where does that leave you and me regarding our position today? Yes, I've said you need, I need to be wide awake. I really believe that it should, it should scare us to some degree. It should shake us up to some degree. At least to the point of understanding that life in the church, that we believers who meet week by week, who gather in the church, who are in a happy, functioning, healthy church, we need to understand that in the church, life in the church, ministry in the church, is not like taking a... A, a cruise from Durban to the Portuguese islands. That, that is not the nature of, of the church. Rather, rather, we need to see the church uh, more uh, of, of, of being like a battleship. 
and, and a battleship passing through those pirate-filled uh, waters um, on, on, on the east coast of, uh, of Africa around Somalia. That, we're in constant danger. need to be wide awake. As this passage tells us, as, as Paul tells the Romans, there, there will be those who emerge in the church who will cause divisions. They will seek to, to fracture the church. They will create obstacles. They will seek to bring about uh, the, 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 the stopping uh, of ministry in, in this place and, and in that place. Divisions arise when erroneous ideas and and we've seen something of that over the years at central the uh, some error creeps in and 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 everybody's attention is drawn to that and focused on that and we don't sleep at night and it consumes us and ministry is neglected and so easily these kind of things can be propagated and not only propagated but as we'll see later so easily accepted by any one of us or, 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 or many people in the church. You see, obstacles are created in ministry. If we get to the other word that is mentioned in this passage in terms of creating obstacles, when a church is sin-tolerating, that, that, that's definitely going to be an obstacle uh, to good ministry in the church. When, 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 when there is a, an effort... Or, or sometimes it's an unthinking uh, approach that, that is truth distorting. In other words, people, we people, can so easily get in way, get in the way of the truth revealed to us in the scriptures. So one example about uh, that John gives us, and he writes uh, to Gaius. Remember that uh, uh, short letter. In second or third, no, it's third John, identifying a certain person by the name of Diotrephes. He's divisive, we are told, in his efforts in that local church. 3 John 1 verse 9, I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. This guy's just difficult. Hard uh, to have him in the church. So the point is, we cannot sit back. Don't, don't think that we can sit back at Central uh, and, and, and relax uh, because we are exempted from attacks, various attacks. We need to see that every church, every believer of every generation will be, can be, may be a target of blatant or subtle deception and error, and, and error to destroy. That's the intent to destroy the faith of individual people. Well, that leads us to my second point, and I'm just building on the first point. You, you are to be wide awake and discerning. Now, a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek comment. Uh, I've noticed, myself included, is that most of us like to think we have the gift of discernment. Well, do we? Do we? This passage is saying that all Christians ought to be discerning. And those who do have the gift of discerning, discernment, you had better know the scriptures well. And you'll see in a minute why. 
Let me just go back to us thinking about discernment. Just in a general sense, uh, remember that your eyes, the eyes that God has given us at a very basic level, enable us to discern, to discriminate between day and night, between light and darkness. We can say the same thing about our ears. We're able to discern between good music and bad music, a a, a good vocalist and and a bad vocalist. We're able to discern between quietness and, and, and noise. But here's my point. God has given you a brain to discern between truth and error. But it's not just about a gooey feeling in the stomach or an uncomfortable feeling in the stomach because now your brain has engaged fourth gear. God has also wonderfully and miraculously given given us a body of doctrine, a body of teaching. Truth has been made known. The Apostle Paul is bringing this particular challenge at the end of the book of Romans. Systematic teaching of doctrine again and again and again. Discernment is about applying oneself and testing, being able to test against that which has been revealed. There is a doctrinal standard available. It's accessible. And therefore, of course, along with the use of your brain and the help of the Holy Spirit, you can know truth from error. Any one of us can know truth from error. Verse 17, again, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Well, we have the entire letter of Romans that has been taught. So we can test what people say. We can say they they conform or they don't conform. They, they, they align with the scriptures or they don't. So this uh, doctrine that you've been taught, we, we find different phrases describing this body of truth. In Romans chapter 6 verse 17, Paul calls it the standard of teaching to which you are committed or were committed. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 13, follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me. In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, God, the good deposit entrusted to you. In Acts chapter 20, verse 27, he refers to the whole counsel of God. So so there's a body of truth. Know it. And as you look around, as you talk to people, as you listen to Bible studies, as you're exposed to different teachings, do they match? Does it match? Does it conform to that which was revealed by God, uh, by His Spirit? So, why is this so important? You see, there is, for the safety of your soul, for the benefit of your spiritual well-being, for every generation, this God-given standard, this canon, this pattern of sound doctrine to distinguish and discern between truth and error good and evil. Just as a, an added comment, can, can you see now why we must fight for the authority and for the inerrancy of the scriptures? Because 
when we give in on that particular fight, you have no means of discernment. You will just see people going along with he who shouts the loudest, he who is most convincing. We should never get there. We ought to apply our minds to be wise as to what is good and what is innocent and to what is evil. If you look at verse 19 of the passage. So let's look at, look at some of the challenges. And, and, and I really bring this before you. Do, uh, do you, does everything you hear from the pulpit at Central Baptist Church or in your particular home group conform to the standard of sound doctrine? And, and I want to very frankly and openly say tonight, if there is anything that you feel is outside of the scope of Scripture, please don't hesitate to come and speak to me, speak to us as elders. We do not want to just justify and hide behind anything and everything that occurs. There's another area that we ought to be uh, discerning is, is regarding the books available at Christian bookstores. You cannot, you cannot these days go into any Christian bookstore and take any book off the shelf and, and think it's safe. You can't because you've got John MacArthur's book sitting next to Benny Hinn's book and, and, and they teach opposite truths. And, and, and who will you choose? Choose the truth. Same thing applies to radio and television, DSTV channels. There's so many uh, channels that, that supposedly are teaching the truth of God. Listen discerningly. Don't just listen to the tone of voice or to the eloquence of the speaker or to the type of clothing that the particular uh, orator or preacher may be wearing. Listen to their words. Listen to the doctrine. And so we even need to look at the songs that we sing, whether it be older traditional hymns or whether it be the more contemporary uh, songs, do they consistently convey biblical truth? Let us not be party to propagating error on the back of a nice sounding tune. So in the light of the warning in this passage and, and the widespread activity of false prophets in the Old and the New Testament, we cannot believe and accept everything as automatically true from God. Which brings me to the next point. It requires you to be wide awake. We've spoken about that. It requires you to be discerning. And here's the hardest part. Radically brave. So here's an illustration I've used because... Uh, it really was a hard and tough experience in the life of a family in our church. And even for us as a local church, this goes back almost 20 years now. But one of the saddest tragedies I've experienced as a pastor, young mother of four died as a result of unintentional poisoning. So what happened? You see, in a moment of unthinking neglect, a nurse administered poison instead of sugar water and it brought about immediate death. See, the two bottles on the shelf in the laboratory were similar on the outside. We, we were told afterwards they looked the same, but the contents were different. The same thing applies when it comes to what you hear People claim to be Christian. 
So much of what you see and hear and receive may on the surface look like sound Christian teaching. But on closer examination, you will discover that it's foreign to biblical Christianity. Now think back to that family. Uh, Still, the terrible, terrible thing. If only that nurse had taken the trouble to check the contents of the bottle and throwing the poison away. Same thing applies in the church. If only more Christians and local churches and leaders would take the trouble to check the content of what has been propagated. We who teach, we who teach are going to be held to a greater level of accountability. And when we check the content of what has been taught and we see that error is being propagated, we need to distance ourselves from that, get get as far away as possible from the poison of error and destructiveness of false teachers. And I want to tell you that calls for radical courage. Don't want confrontation. It's not nice to be in conflict and people, we don't want to be disliked by people and and. But we need to be aware. You know, those who call themselves preachers and teachers, there are even uh, places that call themselves churches and, and books that you find at Christian bookshops and, and, and messages on, on YouTube and, and radio programs and television bro- broadcasts, even theological faculties. They teach error and we ought to avoid that. Well, there are good reasons given here by Paul why, why, why false teachers and divisive people and those who are obstacles to biblical truth and ministry should be avoided. Verse 18. Now, this is the reason. This is the reason you avoid. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. Now, let's try and break that up a little bit. Well, put that under a heading. False teachers serve themselves. Propagating error is not just ignorance of truth. It's not just an intellectual mistake. What we see in this passage over here is behind the plausible speech and the smooth demeanor is idolatry. The idolatry involves sensual indulgence, which is about self-centered exaltation. Propping themselves up as important. It's driven by an appetite for the gods of this world, like materialism, the stomach, or or sex, or human approval. Their ministries do not serve Christ and his kingdom, but themselves. And the obvious example, and and, and it's it's an extreme example, but, but, but in some measure this can be true in other situations. This fellow that ran off to Malawi, I think his name is Bushiri. Why does he run away with all the money? All the damage that he caused in people's lives, all the deception, the trail of deception that he's left behind. You want to avoid those kind of people. Watch out for those who enrich themselves on the back of so-called Christian ministry. Watch out for those who glitter with gold. Watch out for those who promote themselves on billboards in white suits and flit around in helicopters and private jets. 
I, I, I don't get it. Jesus, conforming to Jesus, who had no place to lay his head. False teachers serve themselves, and, 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 and at times it's not just materialism, sometimes it's just the ego. But secondly, there's another uh, reality that we need to see, is that believers can so often be gullible. Put myself in front of the queue with regard gullibility. More and more I'm learning to not underestimate my own gullibility and naivety. Sometimes we're just so believing of everybody. Uh, my tendency is, man, when the bottle looks similar, surely it contains sugar water. Our tendency is when anything has a Christian label. Uh, we, we're Christians. We, we're part of the Christian church. And, and, and therefore, we assume uh, naively it must be from God. Surely, when these men and women, they're so nice. They're such nice people. Uh, we, surely, we can believe all they say. Well, no, we can't. No, we can't. Have a look at verse 18. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And listen to this. By smooth Talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. The words flattery and smooth talk conveys that which sounds so pleasant, so nice, so plausible. And so many false teachers seem so nice and so eloquent and so convincing. People don't gather crowds because they are confrontational, because they teach the truth. Unless the Spirit of God is converting people in the movement of revival. How does Joel Osteen gather a church of 25 to 30,000 people? Man, he is smooth. He's slick. And the people just lap it up. He doesn't speak about sin. He doesn't speak about repentance. He just is motivational, patting people on the back, making their lives comfortable. And he's so eloquent. Mouths drip with honey. Here's an example from history. There's an author by the name of Parker Williamson. He describes... Uh, fellow from many, many years ago, Arius, going back to the 4th century. So Arius denied the deity of Christ. In other words, he denied that Jesus was fully man and fully God. And so he has a quote uh, by Williamson. He says, He was a bright, energetic, attractive fellow, the kind of citizen whom any Rotary Club would welcome. Do you get the idea? Bouncing, bubbly, extrovert. Singing sea chanties in dockyard pubs and teaching Bible stories in the Wednesday night to the Wednesday night faithful. This was an immensely popular man. His story reminds us. Now here's the lesson. His story reminds us that heresy does not bludgeon us into belief. We are seduced. Isn't that true? We are seduced. 
But then thirdly, and encouragingly, God gives the victory. I really want us to take courage, just as I draw the study to a close, that in the midst of very real danger, where truth and error are real, where we will, where we will face, face constant struggles in matters of good and evil, don't forget that the outcome is already determined. Verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. you get the picture? There's no doubt about the ultimate outcome. Satan is already decisively defeated. But for the moment, he has not yet conceded defeat. It's like a mad dog on a chain. Have you ever seen a mad dog on a chain? He will make every effort to do and cause as much damage as he can. And those who step inside the fence of his backyard, the mad dog's backyard, his fate has been sealed. Christ has conquered. Another passage in Colossians chapter 2, speaking of Jesus, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So in the meanwhile, yes, we must be awake, we must be discerning, we must be brave. And we will know, we can know the grace of our Lord Jesus to keep us safe to keep us on the right side of the fence as we take responsibility in heeding the warning to avoid that which is false and that which is evil. So why why do I go for checkups at the doctor? Well, it's just to be sure it's to be sure that I'm not taking my health for granted. Because we know the Bible tells us that our bodies are wasting away and at any point in time, something can go wrong. As we get older, uh, perhaps just even in the course of life, something can go wrong. And so if we take such good care of our physical bodies, ought we not to do so much more in the local church, to protect the body, to protect the spiritual health, and ultimately also to honor God. And so as a church, I encourage you tonight, let us unite in pursuing life and ministry in a healthy local church, always awake to the danger of error and evil, having the courage to steer clear and speak up against that which is false and deceiving. Oh, Lord, we do pray tonight. I do pray for our protection. And, Lord, you have given us and placed responsibility uh, on our shoulders. And pray that you would enable us, keep us alert, and, and even by your Spirit, Lord, discerning, giving us a desire for your Word and the truth of your Word, being able to test and to measure that which is true and that which is false. And so, Lord, we pray for the well-being of our church Help us, Lord, to desire truth in all that you have revealed to us. And we do pray, Lord, for each one of us, especially at risk in being gullible and believing, especially those who seem to be so nice. And help us, Lord, to look and even test uh, those who we think are all well and good. 
and continue with us, Lord, as a local church. We pray, use us to propagate the truth, to bring light, the light of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ into this dark world, we pray in your name. Amen. So just a final slide again, just a couple of questions tonight. A good topic for discussion. If you are meeting again in either your home Bible study group or perhaps even in the context of your home, take a, a photograph with your camera. And God willing, we look forward to meeting again uh, next Wednesday evening. So good night and God bless you.